in that moment, even if you don't know what to say to that person, be honest with them. Say, thank you so much for telling me this. I am not 100% sure how to help you, but I want to help you. So if you can help me help you, that would be great. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. I'm certainly going to keep trying. Now, we are talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen because there's so much to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or you can reach out on social media at Suicide Noted. If you want to help us out with a financial contribution, we have a Patreon page. Uh, and a few different tiers. So if that's your thing, we would love the support and we could use it. There are some costs associated with producing this podcast. Either way, we really appreciate your involvement and your interest. And that's reflected in the fact that we have now been heard in 88 countries. So once again, thank you for that. Today, I am talking with Kristen. Kristen lives in Massachusetts and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hi, Kristen. How are you? good how are you good where are you by the way uh i'm just up in my room is it no i mean no 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 i meant like what part of the country oh (laughs) sorry i'm in boston massachusetts all right is there anything about any of this stuff that you aren't comfortable talking about no i mean honestly to a certain extent it is uncomfortable to talk about um because i've felt a need to do something for suicide awareness for many many years And I didn't know how to go about it. And I just found your podcast and I said, you know what, this is it. So. Wow. Yeah. So you know what that makes me think of? Well, there's a few things. One is like, awesome. I'm glad you found me in the podcast and you're doing this. But there's another part of me now just should be known. I'm a cynical New York guy. It's not a question. It's a comment on the idea that there are seemingly so few spaces or platforms or places to talk about it that it yep. there wasn't much out there for you it, that's just astounding yeah I mean I've thought of kind of doing my own thing and then like posting it to my own page but it just I don't know it yeah. didn't feel right I don't know I I just something about it it just didn't trigger me to do like to say yep I'm gonna do that um I had thought about it but then as soon as I saw your podcast I said yeah this is it you know nice. yeah well, I'm glad you found them. I'm glad you reached out. I'm glad we're Yeah, here. thank you. I'm All glad right. that you have this platform because I was thinking about something along this line as well. Yeah. Mental mm. health podcast, like something to bring awareness to it. So this is this is great that you're doing this. Yeah. Well, thank you for you make it possible. I mean, <laughs> the guests make it possible. And really, I mean, I've in the very beginning and still to some degree, it's hard to find people, period. 
uh, who are open and willing. And some people reach out to me and sometimes I'm sort of posting in places. And if you just look at the numbers, it's just like how many people try and yeah. we can't measure how many people are, you know, yep. almost, almost in that space. Right. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I, there's just such a small percentage that are either find the podcast, find me, are open, are willing, are able. So it's I'm glad when 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 I can find yeah. people like you. Yeah. No, I'm more than more than happy to be here. It makes me very nervous, but you know that means that it's growth, and you know this is something in my life that I feel like I need to do, and now's the time to do it. Yeah. Well, I remember I sent you some uh, like that attachment, the PDF with questions and you, I remember, I think you, you, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, you said, I'm going to look over those questions. I'm going to think oh, about yeah, my I, I just filled them out. <laughs> <laughs> those are sort of like a, a loose guideline, but I do tend to, um, yeah. In yeah. One way no, I that. saw them. And I, and, uh, today I finally had some time. I was at work for the past two days and I said, I really got to do that document because, you know, they're all kind of scattered in my brain about when it happened, how it happened. So I kind of looked up certain dates and times to Ah. give us more of a timeline. So Mm. that was very helpful, helpful that you sent that. Why do you think you feel nervous? Um, Because it opens you up to be vulnerable. It's, Mm. it's divulging your deepest, darkest secrets that you don't even want to admit to yourself, let alone the people around you. Something where you can think to yourself, you know, I'm the only one feeling this. I don't have anybody that I can go to, but the reality is, is that's just the opposite. And you really Mm -hmm. can't believe the lies that your mind is telling you in that moment. You have to have the mental strength and the power to pull yourself through that situation to say, I'm not alone. A lot of people care about me. I need to stay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just opened my eyes up to, for me being vulnerable, that's a small price to pay if it's going to save somebody else's life, if they feel the exact same way that I'm feeling. So, you know, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I just want to share my story in order to let other people know that they are not feeling like that alone. I have felt exactly how they've felt um, in different situations in life. But, you know, we all kind of have that end thought where we're like, you know, is this even worth it anymore? And you just have to be able to pull yourself through that moment and say, Yes, it is. You know, I have so much to look forward to. There's so many things. There's so many people. There's so many places that I haven't seen yet. And this one moment isn't going to define the rest of my life. Mm. It's a really hard thing for some people to hear when they're really in it. Right. That's why I sometimes think about this. Uh, I, I don't know who hears it. Uh, typically, people don't give me feedback. They don't reach out and say, hey, you know, just uh, this just it doesn't happen very much. Yeah. And I wonder, like, people who are really in that space, are they, does it make a difference? And I'm, this isn't a loaded question. I'm not asking you necessarily say, oh, yeah, Sean, you're great. It makes a difference. No, I'm just, I wonder. Because I've been in that place and I don't think it would have helped. But it doesn't mean I shouldn't or it shouldn't be done. And right. the, these stories matter. We don't know who they're going to reach. But man, we're playing with some fire. Of course. You know, like the platitudes just don't work and the positivity, it's it's tricky. It's tricky. Right. And in that moment, um, that was another thing that I have realized for myself is that when I'm having those intense thoughts of hurting myself or thoughts of suicide, I have to sometimes acknowledge the thought instead of like you were just saying, push away my thoughts with positive quotes and be like, everything's Mm going to be fine. This 
it's a bad day, not a bad life, you know, in that mm. moment, I'm like, shut up, come on, right. you know, it's just yeah. like, sometimes you just have to sit with that sadness. And you have to acknowledge that thought that you're having and being like, okay, like, we can wallow in this for a little bit, like we can feed into a little bit. And I think with recovery, it you always have to be like, nope, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm totally okay. You know, and then spin off a bunch of positive quotes. But sometimes in the moment, you just need to sit down next to sadness if they were a person and just sit with them instead mm. of just pushing them away. Because, you know, it is an emotion. It's a strong emotion that we have. And you have to give some attention to it or else if you keep pushing it away, you know, you're not dealing with it. Mm -hmm. So I've learned that you have to just, and you know, I'm not speaking like I'm a perfect person, you know, sometimes I can take my own advice that I'm giving in this podcast, but you just have to be able to sit with that sadness and acknowledge all those thoughts that you're having instead of just like pushing them into the farthest corner of your mind. Um, and for yeah. me, that has helped significantly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So share with me and by proxy, I suppose everybody who hears this, I always want to ask sort of where does the story begin? But uh, I mean, we could go back to when your parents met. I mean, you know, like, where does right. it, so you right. decide where you want to sort of start it and we'll, we'll navigate it through it. But, but I do want to hear about the, is there one attempt or more than one attempt or an almost attempt? There was a one definite attempt. There were other uh, situations where my thoughts were so strong that it put me into dangerous situations, but I never attempted further. Yeah. Um, the first attempt happened when I was in college. I graduated in 2015 and my junior year, um, at this time I was turning 21. I had roommates, you know, it was a good time, but also at the same time, nobody had known, but I had started dating actually my, my girlfriend, my best friend. And it was very, very secretive. You know, we mm. would say things like our kids from different marriages are going to hang out with each other. We're going to take just to the grave. So it was a very, very secretive time for me. And I think that kind of stemmed to, to where I felt like I couldn't open up to anybody. You know, we both weren't accepting of ourselves at that point. You know, we were just in college too and young and dumb and Things had happened where it led the girl I was dating to break up with me because she said, no, you know, it's my senior year. I want to be single. And it just broke me. It was my mm -hmm. first relationship and I thought it was forever. I was totally in and she kind of just texted me out of the blue and said, yeah, we're done. And the unfortunate thing at this time is that Nobody had known. I hadn't told anybody about this, not even our roommates. We would hide it from our roommates, though I'm sure that they probably knew. Mm. Yeah, I was kind of just going through that breakup by myself for a while. And then I saw the ex move on with someone because we lived together at this point. We broke up and then we lived across the hall from each other on the third floor. She had started moving on with somebody else. And, you know, I was like, you know, I thought you said you wanted to be single for your senior year. And, you know, it was kind of just a facade. Then I watched her basically move on right in front of my eyes. It kind of pushed me to tell my parents, um, you know, that was that was one of the darkest times in my life when she was out with that other girl. And then she came back the next morning and she stayed over, you know, like 20 feet from my bed. You know, I'm just crying and they're having fun. That next day, I remember that I don't remember how many pills I took, 
but I took a handful of pills, just took a couple shots, like, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning. Were you in a dorm room? Uh, we were actually in a house off campus. Um, so I was just in my room upstairs. Got it. In that moment, I don't think it was an attempt of I want to die, but I I just wanted to not be here at that moment. So whatever that meant. So mm. in that moment, I felt like I just, you know, if this was going to knock me out and make me go to sleep, if I wake up, then I guess I wake up. But at that moment, I didn't really care. Yeah. And I woke up about 10 hours later and it was you know, six, seven o'clock at night. And I went downstairs and I just remember my other roommate, he was telling me, and we had a bunch of guy roommates. They were great. He was telling me, he said, Hey, I, uh, you were up there for a long time. That was a long nap. You must've been tired. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. I was tired. That's it. I never told anybody. I never said anything about it. And just carried on. And this is really the first time that I'm kind of telling this story. Ah, so from 2000, that was 2015. I graduated in 2015. This happened in fall of 2012. Okay. So from 2012, the end of 2012 to about 2014, those are some very, very hard years for me. Mm. That kind of stemmed from me not feeling like I could talk to anybody about the situation because nobody knew about it. You know, we were all underground under undercover. And at that point there was so much to explain that I just didn't feel I couldn't explain it in that emotional state. And I just, I said, it doesn't even matter. Nobody even knows what's going on and they don't have to, you know, I kind of just kept brushing it under the rug. And since that attempt, those years after I, I was blacking out every night going out with my friends and they just thought it was a fun joke, you know, that I was just getting so wasted and doing these ridiculous things. I would even run away from parties and I would curl up and shut my phone off, just have these such strong thoughts about suicide and just say, I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead. When you, when you say these things, yeah. I don't know what the word is. You said something things. I don't know how you described it, but what, I mean, can you share what we're talking about? Is that an example of like running away from a party? Yeah. Out? So um, when I would have such strong thoughts of just wanting to die and it's just like, I don't want to be here. I just want to die. And I would have such strong, almost urges to do something. And at that moment I would just run away and I wouldn't Physically. even want to deal with the situation. So that was another night where I had went out. It was like a Halloween party with my friends. And to this day, they still joke about it. They say, you know, Kristen always runs away when she's drunk. Who knows what she's going to do? And, you know, they don't they don't know what I was going through mentally on that night. Maybe until now. Until now. Mm. Yep. I um, I can go more into the thoughts, too, about what I was having. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. Sometimes I wish I had like 10 hours to talk to people. You know? I know, I, I know. Weird, it's it, it's a weird interest that I have. Obviously, I mean, I started the podcast, so there's yeah. nothing I'm curious about. But So you didn't tell anybody? No. Nope. Did you want to tell people? Yes. But what? at the same time, I was afraid that people would just look at me and say, oh, she's had thoughts of suicide. Like, 
don't say anything bad to her or, you know, I didn't want to be treated differently. You know, like you have to walk on eggshells around me because I've had thoughts of suicide. And, you know, it's, it's the facade that we all want to appear strong to everybody. And in that moment, I wasn't strong enough to actually tell anybody about it. I think sometimes those are valid, logical ways of being because people do get awkward. Right. Get uncomfortable. It's not, you're not, I mean, it's not an imaginary thing. There's a reason why people don't talk about it. And that's certainly what you said makes total sense to me. Yep. But man, it must have been really effing hard. Really, really hard. Um, I actually wrote a poem about that night a few years ago. Um, Oh, yeah? I did. So I can explain it to you in more about those thoughts that you were asking me about. In in, In poetic prose? In poetic prose. Oh, bring it, Kristen, bring it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. You never forget the nights you don't remember. How funny it was that you ran away, but little did they know it was no grand adventure. It was a dark, twisted road of sitting in front of a parked car, hiding in the bushes, crouching fetal position, wishing you were dead, hoping that life was much more than this. Shut the phone off, thinking that you could just sit there forever wondering if anyone was looking for you, wondering who cared. And an hour later, you come back to your senses and ran back to the party, saying that you almost got in trouble with the cop who saw that you fled. You snap back and blame your drunken foolishness, but it was far from a joke inside your head. Mm. Wow. When did you write that? That was a few years later. A lot of the poems that I wrote about this time in my life came a few years later and I realized that I had a lot of unpacking to do about my emotions. Yeah. And the way that I expressed it was with my poetry. Mm. This is a lovely poem. Thank you. <laughs> now, when you say that you haven't told anybody up until this moment, does that include like mental health professionals? I've told mental health professionals, but they, I'm, st- I'm honestly on a journey to find the right therapist for me. Mm. <laughs> I uh yeah we've had trial and error with uh some therapists so yeah. we're in the process of that right now and it's especially hard with the pandemic and a lot of people are seeking therapists and a lot of them are just truthfully booked up and busy and um, some of them are bad and some of them are really bad and, and sometimes <laughs> and more than often more than anything I think it's just not a good fit right yes yes <laughs> and that's what happened with my last therapist and you know, it was, it was definitely not the right fit to say the least. <laughs> so in the early tens, I guess that's yeah. what people say. You're in college. Yep. You have an attempt. Mm-hmm. Dark times. I know I'm, I don't mean to sort of summarize your life, but no, so I'm clear. No, dark, definitely. dark times. And you're not talking about it to anybody. Yep. And you're doing some things like drinking a lot, blacking out mm-hmm. this particular thing where you run away from parties yeah or gatherings and your friends are completely unaware yeah they just thought it was funny and you know i was just so drunk that i was like but you know it was it was very far from that now i'm not in any way calling out any of your friends but did anybody ever like your your roommate mentioned something you'd said something about hey that was a long nap yeah anybody hey Kristen, what you're doing i don't doesn't add up or what's up? Like, seriously, you know, did, did that conversation happen? 
honestly, no. And I can't blame them for it because um, I, I'm even told today, even at my job, sometimes um, people say, oh, you come off so confident and, you know, you come off with a lot of power and strength. And <laughs> I'm like, you don't even know what's going on inside this brain because it is far from that. So I think the affect that I give off mm-hmm. is far from what I was thinking at the time. I was a very ex and at this, you have to remember that relationship with that ex-girlfriend. I'm yeah. a pro hider at this point. Professional. So, professional. You write a book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or a poem, more, more, more poems on how, so to, poems. how to hide. Well, what did the title, what what are, what are a few good titles? What would you call that book? <laughs> it would be something about like the confidence facade. Uh-huh. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Confidence yeah. facade. All right. <laughs> so now alternatively, not alternatively, but I'm thinking, all right, this is going on in Kristen's college life. She has friends. So you can make those connections, right? Some people can't. You had that. So that part of your life, the ability to sort of find friends, keep friends, you had that sort of working on some level, yeah? Exactly. That was definitely um, one of my um, protective factors was that I know that people around me, you know, if I were to follow through with the suicide, the people around me would be devastated. Yeah. Yeah. And And that comes into a later point in life where another one of those dangerous situations that I got myself from my negative thinking. Um, Mm -hmm. And it led to my dad kind of finding out a little bit about this and him saying to me the next morning, he said, I don't know what I would do without you. And one, and he was just, you could see the ball in his throat and he just Mm -hmm. was like, I I don't, I don't know if I would live without you. Mm. And that is definitely one of my protective factors. I know that, my parents just, and my friends, my family, they would be beside themselves. I don't even know what they would do. So even when I feel like I have nothing in that moment, I say to myself, people wouldn't be able to live without you. And then if that's the one protective factor that I have in that moment, so be it. It is one of my uh, protective factors is all the support I do have around me, even though Mm. they may not know about it. I know that they would be there for me. It's hard for me. So I'll just start this comment with it's, this is really hard for me. And I'm wondering if it's hard for you and that people love you. They care about you. They want you to be okay, but there's stuff that they're never going to get. Yes. Like it doesn't matter how much poetry you write. Yep. They're never going to really get it. Exactly. Um, that's got, for me, that's hard. I don't know why yes. I want you to get it before you like, I, that's the biggest thing for me. Maybe that's a love or like language that I, for me, I don't know. Like, man, you don't understand. Yes. And if you don't understand, for me, there's this disconnect. Right. So is that, so for you, what is it like for your relationships? So in my recent relationship, romantic relationships, I have started to open up more about this. I've, I've started to hint at it. Uh, I'm definitely mm. becoming a lot more open. Um, I'm 28 now. So I have had a lot of time to process the experiences mm. I've had and the thoughts I've had and the things I've wrote down. But I do feel that poetry is going to be the closest that I can get you to understand what I'm feeling in that moment. Mm. Um, so that has helped me significantly. But you're right. At the end of the day, you truthfully don't know what the core of your being is thinking in those moments. 
And sometimes it's even hard for you to, to acknowledge it yourself because you have so many thoughts racing around in your head and it's almost like you got to grab one and you have to figure out what your mind is actually thinking. And it's really difficult. You know, you have to have some level of expertise of dissecting your brain and figuring out exactly what you're right. thinking. And a lot of people, that's really hard to articulate. Yeah. To even just almost unpack and untangle everything that goes on in your mind. It's so yeah. difficult. So that's yeah. why I really sympathize with people who have anxiety and depression and think about, um, you know, all these insignificant interactions with people, but they take it and they break it down to every little single minute moment. You know, it's mm -hmm. just so hard to express really how you're feeling, really feeling in that moment. So I totally agree with you on that. I mean, I, I never want to encourage and I'm never encouraging sort of any behavior that isn't healthy, but man, I really do understand why people drink and drug. Yeah. I get I why you just Absolutely. want to turn your damn brain off or have a different experience of the world I get it. And I live it. I struggle. I have my own demons. And yes. um, yeah, you just uh, want to forget. It's almost like you, you just want to take a pause from life. Hiring. And you just like, sometimes your thoughts can be so difficult and it's very difficult to categorize them between suicidal ideation and self-harm behaviors. It's like, sometimes it doesn't fit into that category. Sometimes you just want to take a pause on life. You literally want to hit the pause button, take a break, go somewhere, which is somewhere in your mind or sleep or go on a vacation and then come back. Mm. And it's just so difficult to really think about everything that you're thinking about in that moment, because so your, your neurons are just flying. You're, you're, you have so much going on. You know, that's another reason why I wanted to share with people is because I've been there. I've, I've felt that so deeply, mm. so many times. And it's just so nice to hear other people say the things that you're thinking and then you don't know how to say it yourself and you go, yes, that's mm. exactly what I was thinking. So yeah. that's why I love podcasts like this. Mm. Yeah. 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 I'm going to go back. Yeah. If I can. You wake up in the evening and you go downstairs. Mm -hmm. You're still alive. Still alive. You wanted to pause your life. I did. Well, you, you paused it for seven or eight hours, like yep. a sleep cycle. Uh, but your problems are still there. Yep. A heartbreak is still there. The girl mm -hmm. is still there. You know what I mean? Like nothing's changed. Yep. So how do you, I don't even know if there's an answer here, but like, how do you then just deal? Right. And not try again. I think in that moment, I didn't have, like when I woke up, I thought to myself, okay, I'm awake. Okay. Not scared of what you tried? No, I wasn't scared at all. And, you know, looking back, it's like, wow, that like, that's where I was mentally. Mm -hmm. And I just went downstairs and started making dinner. Mm. And I didn't, it's almost like I didn't even acknowledge that it happened. I just said to myself and downplayed it and said, I just wanted to take a really long nap. And I just wanted to take a break. And I did. Mm -hmm. So I kind of made excuses in my mind as, oh, well, I just wanted to take a really long nap. So it's okay. Hmm. So it's kind of just, it's unfortunate, but it's like a defense mechanism that your mind yeah. has is like, you know, you try to rationalize everything that you do. And in that moment, it's almost like you're, uh, you're ignoring everything that happened up to you falling asleep. So at that time, you know, I wasn't mentally strong enough to be like, oh, wow, this is not good. 
I just kept going about my day. And honestly, I dealt with it just by staying busy, going to classes. I was on the field hockey team. I was uh, going out with my friends. Just the the method of distraction in that dark time was all I had. Yeah, I was just talking to my therapist today. Um, I don't usually talk about this part of my life, but I was just saying that to him, like, we get on with it as best we can. Yeah. Like it, we just do. I mean, either you're dead, either you're just going to die or live. Right. Not, and this isn't like a call to action and fight, fight, fight. But right. you know, you gotta, you, you gotta put clothing on, you gotta eat food. Yeah. You gotta get on with it. And, and yeah, it makes sense to me in some way of like, I get it. Yeah. That happened. Now I have to make dinner. Yeah. And now yeah. I have to, I practice and I have a test yeah. on Friday or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And you just un you unpack those feelings years later, um, like in therapy or when they ask about your attempts. And even in your mind, you're like, was that an attempt or was I just really wanting to take a long nap? But that level of not caring if I woke up or not, for me, I realize now that I categorize that as a suicide attempt because yeah. I didn't care. You know, it wasn't like I was, you know, actively trying to kill myself right in that moment. But I said, if I don't wake up, I don't wake up. You know, it is what it is. So mm-hmm. that lack of caring really is shocking to me years later. So as you went through college and then after college, and you'd said earlier that you had, that was in the 2012, the sort of the attempt. Yep. But I think you also mentioned there were several, I don't know how you said it exactly, stuff that was almost or dangerously close. Yes. So is that, uh, so, obviously it's in your twenties, right? Cause you're 28. So yes. this is all happening. Um, yeah. It was my early twenties. I had mentioned that they were such strong suicidal self-harm thoughts that I would put myself in dangerous situations because truthfully in that moment, I almost felt like I deserved that situation that I put myself in, but I would almost like lead myself to the water, but then I just, you know, I wouldn't jump in like, mm-hmm. It's metaphorically speaking. Um, I never had led myself to water, but being... you're a poet, Kristen. You're always <laughs> I am. I guess I am. <laughs> but there was one, one circumstance where I'm kind of referencing now, and I haven't talked about it yet. But this was actually a little bit more recent in 2018, mm-hmm. and I had such strong, strong thoughts, and they really get heightened when I drink. And Mm -hmm. I had just been out in Boston with my friends and something very insignificant had triggered me to the point where I, I, again, ran away. I ran out of the bar and I just, when you say run away, are you literally running? Uh, Walking very fast. Okay. The point where I'm crying, walking down the street, everyone's asking me, are you okay? Are you okay? And I just kept walking. Dangerous, Kristen. Very dangerous. This is, I listen, I, I admit this. I listen to a few too many true crime podcasts. You hear these stories, um, you know, of like, she just walked out of the bar and no one ever saw her again. Yep. It's you're very vulnerable in that situation. Very, very vulnerable. Right. And it's again, it's it's me saying I deserve to be in this situation. I deserve it. It's just like that constant negative uh, thought process going on over and in a loop over and over and over in your head. Like, And then it just drives you to keep going. So my friend uh she is so great so wonderful i'm actually seeing her tonight and um she had my location on my phone and Mm. i had my phone on me and she ran out of the bar she saw me run out and she was able to track me and find me 
And in that moment, I was still just in such a negative mindset that I, she, when she found me, I ran without my phone and I kept going and I got lost in Boston. Mm. You know, at some point I had realized, you know, I fucked up. This is not, this is not safe. You know, the, the rational part of me that wanted to save myself was like, whoa, no, 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 this is, this is too much. You need to figure out, you know, you got to get home. Truthfully, that whole night, I was just trying to figure out where I was. I did not know where I was. I didn't recognize any of the streets. It was the middle of December and it was freezing. I Mm. had this like little leather coat on, you know, nothing significant to the point where I'm running in hotel lobbies and trying to sit in there for warmth. And then they're like, you can't stay here. It was truthfully one one of the darkest nights of my life. You look back, you're like, wow. Yeah. Yep. At this point, I remember I ran into a convenience store and I saw one of the keynote tickets um, in the back and you, you know, the pen and everything and you fill it out. And I just remember writing on that keynote ticket and I didn't even fill it out. I just wrote, you are loved. And Mm -hmm. that's all I wrote. And I left. And because in that moment, I was more into the survival mode, like, okay, I got to get home. You know, whoever needs this message, they need it. You know, you were saying earlier about like, is it a suicide? Was that a suicide attempt? These are really sometimes hard to gauge or measure. Like if you went to a bridge and jumped, we can pretty much say, yeah, that was right. That's a suicide attempt. But like if you had gotten killed that night or you just you got is, you know, would that be a suicide attempt? Probably not. But probably not. We could argue. We could say, I don't know, maybe. Right. Like that's not somebody who. In that moment, I don't know. I'm not trying. It to... would just be honestly. It would be one of those situations where it would be unknown. It would be unknown. They could say, you know, if you know she was drinking that night. So who knows what no. what impaired decision making she had? When did you figure out that the alcohol tended to make things? I think you said either worse or exacerbated. Yeah. When did you it figure that? Made out? it worse, exacerbated all of the above. I think I realized that around the time when I started writing the poems a few years okay. later. Um, I think I realized in that moment when I was drinking and blacking out that my intention was to black out again, pause my life. But I just, I didn't care. I just wanted to keep going. And looking back, I had, you know, here and there nights after college where I would again, get those suicidal thoughts and suicidal urges coming back to the surface. And I realized, you know, I got to stop, you know, I have to stop with this heavy drinking because this is when I get into that negative mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't stopped fully. I, I have a much healthier relationship with alcohol now. I drink maybe twice a month, maybe, mm. but nothing, you know, it, but for a period of time I did stop Yeah. because I, I just was, I didn't trust myself. I didn't, I didn't think I was mentally strong enough to drink and then have my judgment be impaired and then get into that mindset. Because once you get into that mindset, it's very difficult to pull yourself out of it. Yeah. So I did stop for a period of time. um, But now it's more just socially that I drink with my friends, Um, go to wineries and all the fun breweries because all the dogs are at the breweries and I can't Uh miss that. Right. What kind of of work do you do? Um, I'm a nurse. Yeah. So I, um, I actually work at Mass General Hospital. I have been very fortunate enough to be on a unit 
throughout this whole pandemic that has been non-COVID um, because we're a general medicine for. And truthfully, with the pandemic, I've felt these thoughts starting to ramp up again, especially with the stress. And I became a, a new nurse as of 2019. So I kind of just got yeah. thrown into the fire with this. But if I was mentally where I was a few years ago and had this pandemic, I don't know where I would be today. Oh, yeah. So There's I people I, out there who there are, are people out gone, there doing gone. this. And my heart go out to them because Mm -hmm. God knows where I would be if I was in that state in 2012 and there was a pandemic on top of this. Yeah. Mm. It's probably a good nurse from some of this. It probably helps you empathize. And uh... yeah. Yeah. And my experiences and my thoughts and situations that I found myself in has really just driven me to really want to go into mental health and, um, I'm trying and looking around to see if there's any um, mobile crisis units and try to be there in those moments where people just can't, they can't think clearly. I just want to think clearly for them in those moments. So, you know, we'll see where it takes me, but um, I definitely have a soft spot for mental health and, you know, working with people with those thoughts and depression, anxiety, you know, I, I completely sympathize, empathize and understand everything. And I mean, even- right now we send untrained cops to deal with it. <laughs> we did That's who, that's who gets most of the calls is, is cops who have right. no training in mental health. You know, mental health is kind of spiking right now and we are all just trying to do our best and try to understand and, You know, it's not anything against them that they haven't had negative thoughts and thoughts of suicide. Um, Or weren't trained in a certain way. I mean, they're just doing what they can do. Exactly. Yeah. It's hard. Yep. It's been quite a journey. But, you know, honestly, it led me here to this day, to this moment, talking with you. And, you know, it's made me understand and try to understand if my patients say, you'll never understand. I always Mm -hmm. tell them but I want to understand. So try to help me understand, you know, Mm. I may never know the exact experiences that you went through or how you felt in that moment, like we were talking about earlier, but I want you to try and help me understand how you were feeling. Mm. Um, So my personal experiences definitely play into how I am as a nurse today and um, how I talk to people and realize that some people can dissect situations and experiences and conversations hours after. So, you know, I'm always just trying to be open and honest and just very empathetic to how they are in that moment. Cause they might have stuff going on that I have no idea about. Sure. I mean, yeah. Did you ever get a diagnosis of any kind that you felt was accurate? I did. I got a um, diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then it's, it's really crazy what the mind can do because in those moments, I think, is that, are they serious about that diagnosis? Is that real? No, I don't have depression. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost like this like checks and balances in your head thinking, you know, is that, is that accurate? Am Mm -hmm. I just being dramatic with Mm -hmm. my thoughts and people are thinking that I'm depressed? You know, it's, it's all, it's where all the overthinking comes in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I have gotten um, generalized anxiety disorder and um, depression. Um, I think 
more of the generalized anxiety disorder than the depression now. But yeah, it's just, it's a continuous journey and you just have to, you know, just try and let, let yourself live life, you know, just try and just go through and let your life just flow the way that it's supposed to without the resistance and thinking and overthinking and judgment of yourself and everyone else around you, you know, just let the situation be how it's supposed to be. How do you think uh, your friends or family are going to respond for those that do actually hear this? Uh, I'm sure it varies from friend to friend. They're not all the same person, but yeah, yeah. They'll be like, what do you imagine? I've thought about this and I think that the initial reaction is going to go, they're going to say, what? Oh my gosh, what? The people who are closest to me will probably say, we had a feeling. Um, a couple people, we struggled mentally together and we'll text each other back and forth. So for people like that in my life, they'll say, okay, this kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But for those that, I'm, you know, not very close with and, you know, my coworkers or um, friends that I see every few months or so, they're probably going to hear this and just think no way. Yeah. Because again, I am that professional hider of everything and I will always put on a facade and, you know, you can't tell if I was crying 10 minutes ago and I'll be laughing and smiling 20 minutes later. Yeah. Such a good thing. I mean, I, I use the word good loosely, but yeah, people need to know that people like Kristen who appear confident and this and that can be struggling. Have, it, this is really an important thing. I think people need to understand. Yeah. I think you're one of the people that will help people understand that is look, there's more yeah. to it. No? Yeah. And uh, even on those nights where, I was having those thoughts and I did run away. There are pictures of me smiling and laughing. It doesn't matter what they look like and the affect that they're giving off. It says nothing Mm -hmm. about what they're actually really thinking in the core of them. Do you ideate still? I do struggle with it still. And I have heard your previous podcasts with um, others and they kind of talk about it. You know, this happened so long ago. I'm totally, I'm good now. I used to be a mental health counselor on a child psychiatric unit and something I would always tell the kids is we're never going to get rid of the thoughts that you have. We're just going to give you the tools to be able to deal with those thoughts and the strength to, to be able to acknowledge them and dismiss them and continue going about your day and, you know, living the life that you really want to live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's all about the coping skills. It's about your defense mechanisms. It's about the thought processes that you have um, that protect you. You know, Mm -hmm. you can have these thoughts, but you have to have the strength to say, okay, I acknowledge this thought. I'm not going to act on this thought. This is just a momentary thought. I have X, Y, and Z to look forward to. I'm grateful for this in my life. These are the people supporting me and who would be devastated if I were to act on this thought. And I have a greater purpose in life that I need to fulfill. You know, it's so, it's so hard. And even then, when I was saying that, I'm thinking to myself, if I were in that negative mindset, I would hear that and I go, bullshit, right. bullshit. Because you don't have that insight when you are right. in that moment. Right. 
So, I mean, even to this day, I have to take my own advice. And I'm sure that's how many, many people feel. When mm-hmm. I say things to people, I'm like, well, I should really take my own advice. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's not perfect. Humans are not perfect. And yes, mm-hmm. I still have those thoughts, but I don't play into them as deeply as I did before. I acknowledge it. And sometimes I sit with it for a little bit. And, you know, that's when I found your podcast when I was having those negative thoughts and I was ah. just looking for other people that felt like me. Mm-hmm. And it passes. And then the next day, I don't want to say it just goes away because that's not true, but you have a different mindset in that Mm -hmm. moment when you wake up, you know, hearing the stories of the podcast that you had previously, I think there was another one, Mark from Massachusetts. I was listening to his. Yeah. I was listening to his and um, it was just really nice to hear that people um, uh, and I can only hear their voices. So I was picturing them in my head, race, color, any ethnicity, all the things that, you know, people are hiding demons that they, they, nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. And that's just what I think all day, every day when I'm talking with people, I'm like, I don't know what's going on in their life. So who am I to be rude and mm-hmm. judge them for what they're doing? Mm. Yeah. Do you think there are any, I'm sure there are many, but one or two myths around suicide or just mental health, mental illness, all this stuff that you think you'd like to, I always say call bullshit on, but. Yeah. So I was thinking about that. And I think one of the myths that, you know, I kind of believed in, and I, I actually read this book recently and it's called the four agreements. And I, highly highly recommend it um it was recommended um by my personal trainer that i go to she's phenomenal Mm -hmm. so i read the book and the first agreement is that you can change the agreements in your head so you're kind of you're the judge and we kind of have these agreements in our head that we just go along with and you know it's like who are who's following these rules it's just Mm -hmm. you so one of those agreements i would say when I was younger is that, you know, it's embarrassing to talk about my suicide attempts and to open up about my emotional state. And I hated feeling vulnerable. That's one of the agreements that you can change in your head. One of the rules that you can change in your own rule book is that, no, it's not embarrassing. And a lot of people are feeling the same way that you are. And they truthfully just want to know you as a person and they're going to support whatever comes out of your mouth. So if you do have those thoughts, they will be there for you and they're not going to treat you differently. They're not going to, you know, talk for and say, oh, my God, Kristen, do you did you hear what Kristen told me? And people are going to talk about you. That's that's one of the rules that I had made up in my head for years. Mm. And I am just starting to dissect that rule and change it and say, no, it's okay to open up and talk about how you truly feel. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you open to being hurt. You know, you're helping people. So yeah, I'd say one of the myths is don't be embarrassed to share your thoughts of suicide and it's okay to open yourself up to be vulnerable. We don't have to be strong all the time because it's just this unspoken agreement that we all just want to act strong around each other. But the reality is we're humans. We're not perfect. And we're going to have off days. It might be a thing of semantics, but a lot of things I hear about in, in people's words or language, the idea that vulnerability isn't strength is bizarre to me. 
Right. And that's a, a once again, another agreement is vulnerability means weakness. And right. Right. I'm learning now that vulnerability and opening yourself up to be vulnerable and admitting that you actually don't understand something or you don't know about something that's strength Mm. and just being authentic with yourself and just saying yeah no I don't know I don't know anything about that or can you help me with this I've never done this before yeah it's tricky we live in a culture that we get mixed messages from from when we're little it's you know it's it's hard yep you know if it were easy and we were all the messages were Oh, open up and be vulnerable. Most people probably would. Right. But not like that. Right. And again, it's like, it's like me preaching to the choir, like open up when you're vulnerable. When you're in that vulnerable state, you yeah. think, I'm not doing that. Right. Why would I do that? Right. It's Sounds just good, but... humans to be strong for everybody. Yeah. I was thinking of, so when you said myth, mm-hmm. I immediately was thinking about facts too. I was thinking uh-huh. of the other end. And a fact that I want everybody to know that I is so, so important is when someone talks to you about suicide, one, that takes so much strength for them to be able to even come to you in the first place, let alone say that they're having thoughts of suicide. Yeah. Two, a person who talks about suicide is much more likely to do it. So mm-hmm. when somebody says that they're having thoughts of suicide, take it seriously. Believe and, them. you know, offer your advice, offer support. What can I do to help you? What, what do you need in this moment? Because odds are that if they're talking about suicide, they're more likely to follow through with it. Yeah. Believe what people say. Exactly. Even, even in the occasional times where we yeah, ask someone might be, you know, they might not be speaking the truth. Most people are. Right. In some sort of way they are. If it's not the whole truth, it's some of it is the truth. Right, right. Just just take them for their word. Yeah. Yep. And I think you point out something really good is that, you know, we don't do this as a culture particularly well either, at least in my experience of if someone's got a problem. You don't need to do a lot of the things we tend to do that is not helpful. You can ask a question. How can I help? Right. Don't assume that you've got the answers. Trust me. If you had the answers, they probably would have come to you for the damn answers. Right. If, just ask, how can I help? Right. And oh, even if I, maybe it's just they need to vent for 30 minutes. Great. Yeah. I'll do that. Yep. But you Sometimes don't know if you don't just ask. need a listening ear. That's all. No. In that moment, even if you don't know what to say to that person, again, be honest with them. Say, thank you so much for telling me this. I am not 100% sure how to help you, but I want to help you. So if you can help me help you, that would be great. Yep. Yeah. And just, again, being honest and and that's another form of being vulnerable when somebody tells you that they're having thoughts of suicide. You don't have to have all the answers and then preach all these positive quotes that you're just firing off from the back of your brain. You know, you just have to sit there and just be honest and say, okay, I truthfully don't know what you've been through. So can you please tell me, I want to hear what you've been through. And, you know, even if it's just spending the night with you and you don't want to talk about it, I'm totally fine with that. And just opening up the conversation for that person to be able to express what they need in that moment is yeah. so important. Really hard when you are close to somebody, a parent, that literally your DNA potentially, you know, and often you raise them and you just don't want to hear that they're suffering. 
Right. And that gets really tough because they, I get why they wouldn't say, all right, if you need to vent, I'm here. It's like, well, it might be venting about you. It gets right. tricky. Right. You're and you know, it's, it gets really tough with certain relationships. So. Right. Anyway. And I think that's honestly one of the factors that has held me secretive for so long is mm. I thought my parents would never want to hear this. Who wants to hear that their child's having suicidal thoughts? Sure. And sure. that kind of kept that lock on that door for me for a lot of, a lot of my years. I was just concerned about them and, you know, their mental health, if they're thinking that their daughter is having suicidal thoughts and, you know, they have so much going on in their life as well. You always are just thinking about yourself as well as other people. And it's, you know, it's just like an ever changing dynamic situation that you're thinking, maybe I shouldn't say it at this time. Yeah. And then it just goes on and on and on. It goes on and on and on. Yeah. You stay silent. Yeah. Yeah. It's sometimes it's just easier to stay silent instead of just opening your mouth. It's so much easier to just forget it Mm -hmm. and not even acknowledge the thought and just keep going on about your day. I'm glad that you found the podcast in me. I'm super glad that 2012 that night was unsuccessful. Well, I, I, yep. I know I'm not supposed to use that word, but you know what I mean? Yep. I know what you mean. You stayed alive. Yep. Some people that might be hearing this might know you. Do you have anything for them or anybody who might be hearing it? For those who know me, I just want you to know that you shouldn't feel bad that you didn't know what was going on because I was, I was very aware that I was keeping it so secretive Mm -hmm. and it's not your, your fault by any means that you didn't know that this was going on Mm -hmm. and it's okay to be shocked by this. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be treated any differently than how I've been treated now. I'm still the same person. I'm still have the same jokes and personality you know, we're all human and, you know, things like this happen. I'm sure you have thoughts that I don't know about, you know, just take everything with a grain of salt. You know, I'm still the same person, you know? Right. And if you have these thoughts and that goes for anybody who knows me, who don't, who doesn't know me, I am always there for you. And I know people have said that in previous podcasts for you, but I am free. I feel more than welcome to give you my contact info, my Instagram handle, and people can message me. And yeah, if they're cool. in that negative spot. I I am more than welcome to that. Awesome. Awesome. And thanks. This is gonna sound weird, but thanks for being a nurse. Of course. No, it's nurses not weird are, at all. Nurses are awesome. Thank you so much. Not all of them, but the idea I just man, I've just in any stay I've ever had in the hospital, uh, there's only been a few, but the nurses mm-hmm. they, typically made the difference for me so that's great to hear Mm. well I'm still I'm still a newbie out there and you know I'm I'm figuring out as well but um you know every day I'm learning something new and I learn something from my patients even every day too so I thank them too yeah I appreciate you well I appreciate you sharing everything and it was uh great of course yeah yeah of course thank you so much for having this platform and you know, doing something that I've been meaning to do for so long, but I didn't know how. Mm, So I appreciate you and you're making such a difference and letting people share personal stories. I think it makes such a difference instead of hearing about the statistics of suicide. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's tricky, you know, it's not the cookie cutter, you know, suicide attempts that you hear about, you know, it's, we're a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. Mm. 
Wow. Well, thank you so much. This has been so, so great. And I'm you know, so glad. I, I've been so nervous for it, but I know that it's been necessary. And, you know, you got to do things outside of your comfort zone. So here we are. And you did. Yep, that's right. Thank you so much, Sean. All right, Kristen. Talk soon. All right. Bye. Have a good one. You too. Bye. <laughs> As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to Kristen up in Massachusetts. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on social media at SuicideNoted. Remember, if you listen on Apple, please help us out by rating or reviewing this podcast. It really does help. That's all for episode number 49. Stay strong do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.